Open your Bibles tonight to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. We're moving right along. Tonight is night 34, 34 nights in our series called So Loved. And it has been good. It, is, it has been fun. It has been a joy to tell people for 34 straight nights uh, how much God loves them. And I'll just tell you tonight, if, if you've missed it, that I want to tell you tonight, God so loves you. And if you haven't missed it, I want to tell you nothing has changed tonight. He still so loves you tonight. A couple of days back, we saw that as great as that message is, that the world today, at the leading of Satan, hates that message. And we, we talked about that. Well, the world, at the leading of Satan, doesn't want anyone to hear, much less believe, the message that God so loves them. Now, the world would like us to believe there is no God. In fact, it wants us to believe that that whole idea is superstitious, is silly. Now, the world would like us to believe that if there is a God, that he is removed, that he is distant and not in the affairs of man. Uh, that if there is a God, that he is unknowable, that he is unreachable by humans. They want us to think that there, if there is a God, that he is mad at us, that he is angry at us. He's looking to crush people under his wrath. They would like for us to think that if there is a God, and if he does love, that surely he wouldn't love you. With all that you've done and the condition that we find you in, if he does love, surely he would not love you. And the world hates the message that God so loves you. And so it hates the messenger that would carry that message. Tonight, our message is entitled, Hate the Message, Kill the Messenger. Hate the message, kill the messenger. Tonight, we jump into John chapter 7. Tonight, we're in John chapter 7, verses 1 through 24. A pretty good chunk of verses. John chapter 7, tonight, verses 1 through 24. Hate the message, kill the messenger. I would ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning tonight in the first verse, it says this. After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee. For he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths, was near. Therefore his brothers said to him, leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples may see your works which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world." for not even his brothers were believing in him. So Jesus said to them, my time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast because my time has not yet fully come. Having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. So the Jews were seeking him at the feast and were saying, where is he? 
Now there was much grumbling among the crowds concerning him. Some were saying he is a good man. Others are saying, no, on the contrary, he leads the people astray. Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. But when it was now the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and he began to teach. The Jews were astonished saying, how has this man become learned, having never been educated? So Jesus answered them and said, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak for myself. He who speaks from himself speaks his own glory. But he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true and there is no unrighteousness in him. Did not Moses give you the law and yet none of you carries out the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. Who seeks to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one deed and you all marvel. For this reason, Moses has given you circumcision, not because it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath. Verse 24, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for this night, we're thankful for this Thursday night, we're thankful for the day that we had in you today. We're thankful for the good things you've given us, the good things you've shown us. We're thankful for the blessings of this very day. Lord, I pray now as we end this day by venturing into your word, Lord, I pray that you would speak. I pray that it would be a tremendous blessing, that we would be grown, that we would be shaped, that we'd be led tonight, we would be encouraged. Lord, I pray in the hearing of this message, the, the good news of our Savior, that there might be some that are gonna hear tonight that would trust you tonight for the very first time. Lord, I pray that in all that would go on tonight that you would be known that you would be glorified, that you'd be lifted up, that you'd be received. And I pray again that all of it would be for your name. We love you tonight. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, tonight we've got a lot of verses, so let's go very quickly to our verses tonight. Starting in verse one, it says this. After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee. For he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. It starts off and it says, after these things. Now understand, most likely it has been about six months since the conclusion of the events of the sixth chapter. So between the sixth chapter and now the verse tonight, there's been most likely about six months that have passed. From the other gospel accounts, we know that Jesus, during this time, that he has traveled extensively all over Galilee. In that process, he has healed the sick. He has cast out demons. He has preached the good news. During that time, he also performs another miraculous feeding of another great multitude. Well, the Bible says it starts off, after these things... Jesus was walking in Galilee. Now, it is interesting tonight, the Greek word for walking 
It literally translates conducting himself. Or another translation is traveling around. And so what it means is he is living, he is traveling around, he is preaching around Galilee. He is conducting his affairs, conducting himself around Galilee. The Bible says because he is unwilling to walk, also meaning to conduct himself, to travel around in Judea. So he's in Galilee taking care of his business there, but he's unwilling to travel around and conduct himself in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now remember the Jews, this refers, and it refers to it all the way through John, to the Jewish leadership that are opposed to Jesus. So it's talking about the scribes, the Pharisees, the priests, the Jewish leaders that are opposed to Jesus. Now I want you to notice something here in this first verse. At this point, the Bible is clear, they are seeking to kill Jesus. They're not content to remove him. They're not, they're not willing to silence him. This is not about arresting him and jailing him. They are seeking to kill Jesus. Now, I want us to think tonight about all that Jesus has claimed up until this point. Now, I thought that would be an interesting thing to do. And so just in John, not the other Gospels, and just flipping back to the pages that we have moved through, up until this point, see this. He is called God, his father. He is called the temple, his father's house. He has said that he has come forth from the father. He has said and he's explained that he is also God, the same as the father. He has said that he is the giver of life. Now, remember, only God can give life. Well, he has said he is the giver of life. He has said in our previous verses, he is the savior of the world. If there's salvation, it'll be found in him. He has said that he is the authority to judge as God. Not only that, he has said that salvation is through faith. He's made that clear, not of their works, it is in faith. He has said most unimaginable to them that he is worthy of the same glory as the Father. Now, they couldn't fathom that, but he says, if you glorify me, it's the same as glorifying the Father. He has said most recently that he will die and his blood and body will be given for life. And so be sure tonight, those are huge statements that these Jews have heard. Those are suspect statements that the Jews have heard. Those are hard statements for the Jews. Well, in response, the scribes, the Pharisees, the priests, the leaders of the nation, they want to kill him. Hate the message, kill the messenger. Now, in all these verses tonight, I want you to notice something. In all of these verses tonight that we're going to pass through, it is all about God's timing. And I want you to see that. I want you to be aware of that as we pass through the verses. In the verses, it is all about God's timing. Be sure tonight, he's not scared 
to stand. He's not scared to travel anywhere. He's not even scared to die, but it wasn't time. And so we see here, it is about the father's timing. All right, let's read verse one again. After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Verse two. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths was near. Now let me explain this. This is the the Jewish celebration of booths or tabernacles. Sometimes it's called tabernacles. If they could, if possible, they would again travel back to Jerusalem. Once there, they would set up booths or tents and they would live in those tents, those booths, for seven days. Now that was to remember their trip out of Egypt. It was also to remember God's dwelling in their midst during that time. They would celebrate that festival for seven days and then on the eighth day, they would conclude it with a great celebration, with a great festival. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths was near, verse three. Therefore his brothers said to him, Leave here and go into Judea so that your disciples also may see your works, which you are doing. Jesus has brothers. They're actually half-brothers. They're the sons of Joseph and Mary. In Matthew, it tells us their names, James, Joseph, Simon, and Jude. Therefore, his brothers said to him, leave here and go into Judea so that your disciples also may see your works, which you are doing. All right, verse four. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. In these verses, Jesus' brothers say, go to Jerusalem, go to Judea. That, That is what they say. You've been preaching here Now it's time to preach in Jerusalem. It's time to preach in Judea. You've made quite a stir out here. That's what they say to him. Well, why don't you go and make a stir in Jerusalem, in Judea? You're doing all these miracles out here. Everybody's talking all about your miracles. Well, they say, why don't you go big time, brother, and go to Jerusalem, to Judea? Now, why do they say leave here and go to Judea? Now, there's a lot of different ideas. I read a bunch of them. There's a lot of them saying it's time to reveal himself. There's some of them say, well, he, they wanted to know themselves. I don't think so. I'll tell you why they said it. It is because of in the fact that in verse 1, the truth is revealed. In Judea, the Jews were seeking to kill him. And so in verse 3, they say, so go to Judea. Here's what I think. That's what I think. They've had enough of him. They are jealous of him. Can you imagine? They can't compete with him. On top of that, he is embarrassing them. He's making their whole family look crazy. And in disgust, they hope, let him go down to Jerusalem because they want to kill him in Jerusalem. Hate the message Kill the messenger. Can you imagine if that were your own brothers? 
Think about that for a second. Can you imagine if that were your own brothers? Here's what I've noticed. You might agree. There is no deeper love than family love. There is no, I've noticed that, there is no deeper love than family love. But there's no deeper hate than family hate. You ever notice that? It, it boils up and it brews up and you think you got to push down and it comes back up. Well, here his own brothers say, well, why don't you go where they seek to kill you? There is no deeper hate than family hate. Well, Jesus answers verse six. So Jesus said to them, my time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. Jesus says, it's not time for me. He's talking about the cross, but he says, but any time that you want to go is good for you. He goes on verse seven. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. I want you to see this. Get this in verse seven. His brother's are of the world, and so the world doesn't hate them. You see, his brothers are just like the world. They're petty like the world. They're jealous like the world. They're selfish like the world. They're self-serving like the world. The world can't hate you if you're just like the world. He'll say that later again. They're just like the world. No one can tell them any different from the world because they are the world. But Jesus says it hates me because I testify, the world hates him because he testifies that its deeds are evil. Do you want to know how to lose friends? Do you want to know how tonight to be talked about? Do you want to know tonight how to become an outcast? Start living in honor of Jesus Christ. And listen to me, I'm serious tonight. If you start to take God's words seriously and you decide, you know what, I'm so impressed with God and I'm so impressed by his word that I'm gonna live in honor of Christ in what I do and what I watch and what I say and where I go. If you decide, you know what, I'm actually gonna live in honor of Jesus Christ, let me tell you what'll happen. People will go berserk. They'll say, well, who do you think you are? Who do they think they are? They'll say, oh, they're so arrogant. I can't stand them. They're so arrogant. They're so judgmental. They're so judgmental. And then they start to bring up your past. Oh, I see them now, but I remember then. Let me tell you about what they did then. And if you decide to live for Jesus Christ, the world will go berserk and you'll lose all your friends. But let me tell you what's crazy at the same time, if you're content to live in sin, if you're content to stir around in a bunch of sin, if you're content to wink at sin, the world has no problem with you. They'll accept you and bring you in. Hate the message. Kill the messenger. Verse 8. <laughs> Here's what he says. Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast. You're not going to draw me in because my time has not yet fully come. Now, let me explain this. Most likely, 
they would go in a big caravan. Most likely all the folks from your hometown, all the folks from your home region, they would all get in together and it'd be a big procession. They're going down for an eight-day celebration. They would start the celebration on the way and they would get in this big clan and they would know who's in it. He says, my time has not yet come. You go ahead and go. Having said these things, verse 9, to them he stayed in Galilee. Verse 10. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up. He probably waited a couple days. We're going to see that in the timing coming up in a minute. When his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. After they left, he let the crowd go and let the streets get thinned down. And he did go, but it wasn't a public event. He waited for them to leave and then he quietly slipped out. If you read the Gospel of Luke, it, it, it ties in that probably he went through Samaria. And so where they went on the busy road, the way that all the Jews would go, he went a different route. And he quietly makes his way, verse 11. So the Jews were seeking him at the feast and were saying, where is he? Now listen, the Jewish leaders were serious. They wanted him. They imagined that he would come. They couldn't imagine that, that some guy teaching religion would not come for this. They wanted to find him. They were seeking him. And when they did, they wanted to kill him at this event. And so they're actually going, where is he? Well, the ones from Galilee, did they come in yet? Yeah, they're up over there. Where is he? There's his brothers. Where is he? They're looking for Jesus. Verse 12. There was much grumbling among the crowds concerning him. Some were saying he is a good man. Others were saying, no, on the contrary, he leads people astray. At this great feast with all of these people, the Bible tells us Jesus is all the talk. And all these people have gathered up for this, for this festival and some of them are saying, I, I saw him one time. I saw that he did a miracle. I heard about that. Some of them are saying, I heard him teach one time. And some are there and they're saying, he is a good man. I, I believe he is. And there's others in the crowd and they say, no, he's a liar. No, he's a fraud. He's, he's trying to draw people away from the truth. And there's a grumbling in the crowd. Jesus, good or bad, is on everyone's lips. Verse 13. Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. No one's talking around the Jewish leaders that were seeking to kill him. So it wasn't good to talk around them. They don't, they're hushed. They don't talk around them. Verse 14. But it was now the midst of the feast. It's the middle of the week. Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. Here in the middle of the week, Jesus has slipped into town unnoticed. And then he does something very bold here in the 14th chapter. He goes to the most public place. He goes where the rabbis would go to teach. He goes to the temple and there he starts 
to teach. Now, here's this massive crowd, and there's some of them there that hate him. There's probably a few of them there that love him. Most of them there aren't sure about him, and he stands up in the midst of this crowd, and he begins to teach. Verse 15. The Jews then were astonished, saying, how has this man become learned, having never been educated? Again, the Jews refers to the Jewish leaders, those that are opposed to Jesus. And it says they were astonished. The, the actual word, we've looked at it before, means they are blown away. They are out of their wits. They hear him teaching. He can't know that. How does he know that? They start saying, how is this man learned? How does he know the scriptures? He's never been educated. I want you to watch this in verse 15. If people can't argue with the message, they attack the credibility of the messenger. You ever notice that? The message, that's the truth. The message lines up with God's word. We can't argue with the message. We start to attack the credibility of the messenger. They start to say, well, who are you? We know you. Who are you to speak and to teach us? They attack his credibility. Verse 16. So Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. Verse 16, Jesus says, You want to know why these words are perfect? You want to know why you're astounded at these words are the words of God? Verse 17, If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak, from myself. Let me read that again. If anyone's willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. Now, verse 17 is a great verse. I want you to listen to this. How do you know if a message is from God? I'm talking about today. And this is an important thing. We better know this. We better have discernment in this area. How do you know if a message is of God. Now, I'll just tell you, there's all kinds of crazy messages being preached out there from crazy preachers that have crazy pulpits. There's all sorts of stuff going out today. How do you know if the message is of God? Listen very carefully. It is this. If you will humble yourself and if you will obey the word and if you will put it into practice, and if you'll not just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer, that's what James says. Listen to this. God's perfect word will always bring God's perfect result. Did you hear that? If you hear God's word and you obey God's word and you structure your life according to God's word, you hear this message and you humble yourself and say, you know what, I'm going to live according to that word. If you will humble yourself and walk in obedience to God's word, whether it's in your marriage or your relationships or in your business or in your finances or how you raise your kids, God's perfect word will not fail because it can't. God's perfect word will not prove untrue because it can't. And it will always bear God's perfect result. You hear some of this nonsense and you put it into practice and your life will look like a train wreck. 
but you hear the perfect word of God and you submit to it and you follow it, it will always bear God's perfect result. Now that's a good point. Y'all should be glad you're here for that. Jesus goes on, verse 18. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. Boy, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true and there is no unrighteousness in him. Verse 18 is good advice again for us today. Listen very carefully. Let me, let me make this very clear. You want a preacher who proclaims the word of God. And you want a preacher that does not deviate from the word of God. And you want a preacher that will sacrifice if they have to, but they will not surrender the word of God. Jesus says here, he who speaks from himself, he who speaks his own words, he who speaks his own ideas, his own opinions that are derived from his own logic, they do so to promote their own glory. Listen, it is all about them. And so the message is from them. They preach their own message. Folks, listen. We are warned over and over and over again in the Old Testament, over and over again in the New Testament, of the false teacher who speaks not the words of God, but speaks their own words as if they were the words of God. Jesus says they do so because they seek their own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of the one who sent him he is true, Jesus says. Listen, it's still the same. Dear God, give us preachers who live for the glory of God. Dear God, give us preachers who live for the name of our Savior, Jesus. Jesus sought the glory of the Father. He said that's what he did. His words are true and he is righteous. There's no unrighteousness found in him. Verse 19, Jesus begins to turn the tables on them. Did not Moses give you the law? And yet none of you carries out the law. Why do you seek to kill me? He says to these folks, they've gathered up there, they're mad, they're brewing. He says, you love the law. You talk about the law, the greatest form of worship to you is to uphold the law. He says, you've prospered and you've made yourself mighty by using the law and yet none of you carries out the law. Why do you seek to kill me, he says to him, verse 20. The crowd answered, you have a demon. Who seeks to kill you? Verse 20 is pretty profound too. Now they just start to lie. They just start to lie. You see, the whole town knew they wanted to kill Jesus. The word was out they wanted to kill Jesus. It was no hidden secret they wanted to kill Jesus. That's the truth. And they say, well, who wants to kill you? Who seeks to kill you? Now they just start to lie. Verse 21. Jesus answered them, I did one deed, and you all marvel. It goes back to the healing at the pool of Bethesda. Remember the healing on the Sabbath? That's how this whole thing got started. That's how it started brewing. Remember they said, he healed on the Sabbath. It goes back to that event. I did one deed, and now you're talking about it still. Jesus answered him, I did one deed and you all marvel. Verse 22. For this reason, listen, Moses has given you circumcision. Not because it's from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. Verse 23. 
if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Now, let me show you this. They were not to work on the Sabbath. And yet if one of their sons, day for circumcision, the eighth day, fell on the Sabbath, they had a problem. They had a conflict. We're supposed to circumcise them on the eighth day, but the eighth day fell on the day we're not supposed to do any work. And so guess what they do? They circumcise them on the Sabbath. You see, they were trying to honor God in keeping one law, and so they had to break another law in honor to keep that law. There was a conflict there. Verse 24. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Jesus lays it all out here in verse 24. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. When you circumcised him, what was your heart in doing that? Were you trying to mark off a rule or was it in worship of God? It is all about the heart. At the core of this message is the heart. And if your heart hates the message, you have to kill the messenger. Let me tell you their problem. He told them their problem. They love their sin. So what he told them, they love their sin. The sin that he came to save them from, the sin that he was willing to die for, they love their sin. That's what they love. They love their sin so much so that they had to reject him. Here's the question tonight. What about your sin tonight? What about your sin tonight? Do you love it? Are you okay with it? Have you made a bunch of excuses that you might stay in it? Have you said, well, it's not that bad. The, the culture approves of it. What about your sin tonight? What about your sin? Or have you had enough of it? You had enough of the trouble and enough of the guilt and enough of the decay and destruction that comes from it, the death that it's headed for. You see, the solution's the same tonight. It's still Jesus. And I want to tell you, there was another response. The first one was hate the message and so reject the messenger. There's another response, and that is this. But if you need the message, you receive the messenger. You see, the answer for their sin was to turn to Jesus. It was to turn to Jesus. Our answer for sin tonight, listen, it is to turn to Jesus. He will forgive you. He will restore you. He will renew you. In your sin tonight, your answer is to turn to Jesus. Need the message, receive the messenger. Let's pray. Dream Father, we come. We're thankful for this truth tonight. We're thankful for your grace tonight. We're thankful for salvation, for the problem of our sin through Jesus tonight. Lord, we're thankful that we hear tonight how much you love us, so much so that you're willing to endure this, the questioning of sinners the ridicule of sinners on your way to, to pay for sinners. Oh, how much you must love us. Lord, I'm thankful that tonight, this very night, that your grace is offered to us as sinners, that your kind compassion is offered to us in the way of forgiveness through the way of the cross tonight, through Jesus. Lord, I pray that in the hearing of this tonight, there's some that haven't trusted you for their salvation. I pray that this very night they would turn to you. Lord, I'm thankful that you made a way. Lord, I'm thankful that you came as a suffering servant 
that you might come and purchase us back. We praise you for that. Lord, I pray that knowing that you have spoken, I pray that you continue to speak. I pray that the response and I would bring honor and glory to you. We trust it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation tonight. And I want to give you an opportunity tonight to respond to the truth of the gospel. Here's the good news. God loves you. He so loves you. The truth is, while we were yet sinners, he sees us. While we were yet sinners, we've got the, the guilt of sin on us, the condemnation of sin on us. He sends his only begotten son, and he carries the weight and the guilt and the punishment of our sin to the cross of Calvary. He pays for it there. The Bible says he settled it there. He says it is finished as it's paid for. He dies for my sin and for your sin. They, they place him in a grave. Three days later, he comes out of the grave. The receipt is issued. It's paid for. It's settled. He stands as the risen Savior. The Bible says tonight, if you need hope, that's your hope. If you need a Savior, he's your Savior. There's not going to be another. And in God's grace, it is offered to you tonight. Trust Jesus. Turn to Jesus. He will save you. Maybe you're here tonight and you've made that decision, but you've never fallen in believer's baptism. We want to give you an opportunity as well to come and say, you know what, I, I want to be baptized. I want that testimony to stand in my life in obedience to what Christ has said. And you come as well. And we'll set it a day. It'll be a great day of celebration, testifying to our Savior Jesus. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God's led you to this church. You come as well. And together we'll serve for his name, for his glory until he comes again. Maybe you want to come on this Thursday night, on this 34th night, and you want to pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to pray for this movement. Maybe you want to pray for your family. Maybe there's some other issue you want to pray about. Maybe you want to come and pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one stir about, no one would head for an exit. will be done in just a moment. As we stand and sing, if you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. You come on. I'll meet you here.